You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Now, I've been in a, a series in 1 John, and I, I thought in light of the events of the last couple of weeks, it would step away from it this time and do a new message. Um, I just think it's a message that needs to be told. It's not really a new message. It's kind of an old message. Uh, but it's a message of the life of Christ and some important things. Uh, some of you may not be aware, we've, we've had a couple of, of our dear staff that have passed away. Uh, we had a funeral Saturday, this past Saturday, and a funeral the previous Saturday. So it's been kind of a, a difficult time for a lot of us here. We've got families here. And so we just want to really be aware of that and be praying for for, the, for folks that are really suffering there. So, but I'm going to start, I'm just going to tell you about, in John 11, there's a story of a beloved friend of Jesus named Lazarus. And I'm sure most of you are real familiar with this, you know, the, with the history of this event. But Jesus receives a message from the sisters of Lazarus. Those are, that's Martha and Mary. And, she, and he is very ill. Um, Jesus does nothing. He sits there for two days and does nothing. And we're told that he loves Lazarus. We're told he loves Martha. We're told he loves Mary. But he just sits there. And Martha and Mary did everything right. They had faith in Jesus. Nothing. They called out to him. Nothing. They knew he would come. Nothing. Then Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is buried. Now Jesus comes. I want to pick this up, though, in verse 20, and we'll run through verse 27. This is John 11. I'm using the New American Standard. So then Martha, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will, excuse me, the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. Jesus says, I am. He doesn't say, I will be resurrected. He does not say, I cause a resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection. He's saying he is the power, like capital S. He is the power over death into eternal life. He goes further. Those who believe now have acquired this essence and now have overcome death into eternal life. The great I am statement of Christ has transformed you and I to be able to declare an I am statement. I am a child of God and shall not perish. You know what? Just say it out loud. Hear your own voice say those words. Just say it. I am a child of God and shall not perish. 
this, this pushed and guided Paul all through his days. And actually, this is where the sermon's headed. Here, we're about to look at, in, in Philippians 3, Paul's talking about himself and how the life of those who, who believe in Christ is changed and being changed. So it picks up in verse 9. I'm going to kind of like paraphrase the beginning of this because so you catch up to it. It's like it says, and may I be found in him. So it's, then it says, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through Christ, faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if, I, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. It, it begins with where we are. Where it is, we can be found. That's what he's very, the very first phrase of this. Where my heart has found its home. When I want joy, where do I go? I can be found in Christ. That's where it begins. That's the beginning of everything, being found in Christ. I can be found having righteousness by faith in Christ. Faith is a personal surrender to the one who is the truth, the truth. It would be a capitalized, if it was, because it denotes the person of Christ. And that's beyond intellectual assent. That's, it's, it's personal trust. Living in an attitude of constant and total dependence on God, reflecting the trustworthiness of God. That our faith reflects his own trustworthiness. Then in verse 10 it says, that I may know him. The power of that is, you know, I know everyone loves the Passion Translation. I'm going to use a different one. I, I love in this particular verse the Amplified Classic Version. This, I just want to reread that with that one. For my de determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, that I may in that same way come to know the power overflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over the believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. I just love that so much better than just to know him. It just, it really captures the Greek word genosko, which is to know. And it's so deeply personal, completely open and unhidden, that the Septuagint translates the Hebrew word yada, to Gnosko. And so it carries the intimacy of marriage. It's, the, it's so complete that all the nuances of love, which are in marriage, are expressed here. And by the way, for the Seinfeld fans, yada means to know. So when you ever hear them say yada, 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 it means I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, so. <laughs> they, they met, all the characters are Jewish in Seinfeld. I love Tozer, and so I think a lot of people here have read him. Um, I, I, this quote really captures something for me. I almost shrink from hearing the expression, the deeper life. Now, as a teacher, I hear that a lot. We really want to get deeper and deeper. I'm like, obedient, obey what you know. Try that for starters, and then we'll get it. But anyway, because so many people want to know about it, 
as a topic, but no one seems to want to know and love God for himself. God is the deeper life. Jesus Christ himself is the deeper life. And as I plunge on into the knowledge of the triune God, my heart moves on into the blessedness of his fellowship. This means that there is less of me and more of God. Thus, my spiritual life deepens, and I am strengthened in the knowledge of his will. I think this is what Paul meant when he penned the great desire that I may know him. He was expressing more than his desire for acquaintance. He was yearning to be drawn into the full knowledge of fellowship with God, which has been provided in the plan of redemption. I could have never, I, could, I, would, have, I would have loved to plagiarize that, and you'd all thought it was so smart. But, but that's so deep. It's, he is the deeper life. There are so many ways to know about someone. Watch them. You can ask about them. You can read about them. But to know someone, we can only get that by spending time with them. We have to spend time with them. And then we'll be surprised because we may not really have known about them because what we had heard may not have been true. But now we do because we know them. And that's so special. And the power of his resurrection, that's the next part of this. And it uses the definite article. It's not any power. It's the power, the dunamis power, a divine power, an energy to propel us into achieving all that God, all that the Lord sets before us. The power of his resurrection initiates a transfer of the power of the risen Christ into his risen family. Martha said she believed in the resurrection, stating, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus' statement, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, radically moves Martha from the abstract belief of a someday, someday resurrection to face-to-face -face with a person of the resurrection. It moves you and I into faith in the one, the one who has now defeated death into life, eternal life. Like Martha, we're drawn from theology into relationship. Now, theology is always good, but the relationship is infinitely better. And it serves to confirm our theology. So the resurrection of Christ demonstrates his power over both the physical world and the spiritual worlds. Paul says that for those who know Christ by faith, then Jesus said that he's telling us that those who believe, both, both of them are saying carry the, that we carry this power in the physical world and have been made eternal in the spiritual world while carrying and living in the hope when these merge in the end time. Jesus raises Lazarus. Martha and Mary, they believe this I am statement in Lazarus. For us, the I am, the resurrection and the life is beheld in him who is risen and has ascended to glory in heaven at the right hand of the Father. So we focus less on the dying and on the rising and ascension of Christ. Then we seek to experience union with him with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Therefore, we've entered into fellowship with him, partnership in the suffering of Christ. 
being reshaped and transformed to his death. Our suffering has no atoning value, but in reflection, but it is a reflection of being identified with Christ in covenant as part of his body. When we suffer, he suffers. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Wow. We're conformed to his death by dying to ourself. Jesus talked, this is explained in Philippians 2. And I love when Paul starts this one out. This is, a, this is an order. This is a command. It says, have this attitude. This is not, it's a good idea to think this way. This is have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And, having, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to being obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. So as Jesus died to self to become man, as he created man, perfect man, so we die to, to self to conform to our identity in the image and likeness of the creator, human, as we were created, to be like Christ. The power of the Lord's resurrection was seen by John in, in his revelation. It, in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, it says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. The words of Jesus tell us. These are words that Rick has gone over before, but we're going to repeat them. I'm going to start in John 16 and carry over to 17. These things I have told you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus spoke these things, raising his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Just as you gave him authority over all mankind, talking about himself, so that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The power of the resurrection the great I am of Jesus, dwells in us through the person of the one true risen Christ. This is power over sin into life, reborn into eternal life. One characteristic of a divine created being is eternal life. So as Paul, we seek to attain, to, says to attain to the resurrection from the dead. The word attain here refers to coming to the end of a journey or reaching the conclusion of an accomplishment. So it says, what he's saying is, this is our path of sanctification. To merge the physical and spiritual implications and powers of resurrection of Christ into our Christ-likeness. The, the, the power of resurrection is in us, upon us, and part of us. We have become eternal. 
So, yeah, there's at times we feel just like Mary and Martha, and we cry out. And sometimes we're looking down the road to see if Jesus is coming before it's all too late. But Jesus told his apostles that Jesus was asleep, and they didn't get it. They thought, well, he'll be fine if he's just sleeping. Because, you see, the language of, being, of the saints being called asleep was not a commonplace thing at that point. Now it is. Because they mean that. That's not metaphorical. Because they say he's sleeping because we're never going to die because of the promise of Jesus Christ. We, have, we will never die. There was a conversation that happened in, in one time, and I was like so adamant. I'm like, no. Elijah and Enoch were not the only ones that never died. We never die. You say, well, yeah, we have funerals. No, that's for, the, that's for the body. We never die, and our bodies are not permanently entombed. Like Lazarus, they will come out. And like Lazarus, who was already decaying, it will be fresh, new, soft, wonderful flesh walking on his own. We will all rise again. So, for those in Christ, the resurrection dwells in us. And I want us to do something. This goes beyond the characteristics of resurrection, which is the power, the righteousness, and the transformation. It means carrying the person of the resurrection in us. So it's not about outer traits of it. So it's not the symptoms, it is the essence of it. And that's what's, what's with us. So Jesus spoke to Martha, and he asked her a question. He said, on my resurrection and life, the one who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he said, do you believe this? It's interesting, Rick used that exact same phrase, and I had written this on Monday. The Holy Spirit was moving us to, to understand this. And so I want us to pick up our communion cups, and I want us to, before we open them, we're going to together say out loud verse 27. So if it's up there, yes, it is. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, and he who comes into the world. So as we take our communion, if you're not familiar with this, you've got to slide, take off the little cellophane one first. We're going to take the, the body. The, this represents the body. The body of Christ. The incarnated body of Christ. And that we dedicate our own bodies that we will not yield to sin, but we will tr be transformed by the power of the resurrection, that we control our bodies, and we will be obedient even unto death in our covenant relationship with Christ. And then we take the cup. The blood is where the life is. In this case, if it's the blood of Christ, it's the resurrection life of Christ. And as we take this, we're acknowledging in our covenant relationship with Christ that we've received his, his power of wow. resurrection in us, that we, re, that we have received eternal life of Jesus Christ, and that those that we know have, that have also received this power, that we are confident 
without a doubt of the eternal life of each one of those people. So we say to you, Jesus, we receive your eternal life, and this represents your death on the cross, which released all of this for us. Amen. Father, we just pray right now. One sermon is not enough to make it a reality sometimes. We're asking you, Lord, touch our hearts in a way that the reality of the resurrection that dwells within us is real. Because it's got to touch our heart to shift it from just a, a mental picture to a life-changing, forming reality. So we're asking them to touch our heart. Touch our heart to come into a relationship with the one, you, Jesus. So that in that relationship, we understand how to walk in your light and your will eternally. One of the things you talk about, Jesus, in the new heaven is the, that there is no darkness. It's all light. And we ask you, Lord, that as we're in your kingdom, that is the now, here on earth, allow us to see the light of God. Allow us to recognize the shadows and the dark places. And we ask that you rescue us from them. And with the power of the resurrection, we are transformed into Christ's likeness, step by step, day by day, moment by moment. So we ask you, Lord, to be with us today and fill us with the Holy Spirit. And I allow that manifestation of your power come to us so it becomes a reality in our life. It moves from faith to hope. And from there we stand in, in the blissful moments of joy that cannot be taken away. Thank you, Jesus, for all you have done for us. I thank, we, thank for you for what you're doing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.